I'm Stina. I'm Danielle. We want to focus on uh, television and movies in particular. Yes. Disclaimer that we are in no way film experts. A deep, like, dive. Be quiet. Whoa. I'm yelling. Back me up on this one. (laughs) Hey, you're listening to Two Girls Watch TV. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Two Girls Watch TV. I'm Danielle. And I'm Stina. Danielle. Yes. Yes, Christina. Always haunts us. (laughs) Every time we do this show on the podcast, it's always when everything is happening all at once. Is there's never not been a time when we've done this show and it's been Oh, I guess like I don't know, we have so much time. When are we gonna what when would you like to do it? It's always like we have to squeeze it in now. Ha <laughs> Yeah. We take binge watching Ozark to a completely new level. So much so that I would like to say that I believe it was Ozark that began our seven AM episodes. It it did. It did, because we were taking on Ozark season one and two. Season three almost broke us. It was mm-hmm. a great season, but it almost broke us. It really was. It really was. And now, so this is the last. So it's showing up on Netflix as 14 episodes, but it's actually one through seven and then eight through 14. So today we're just going to talk about one through seven. And looking at the release dates, it looked like there was a big window of time between part one and part two. Because part one came out in like January 21st. Part two came out in April, April 26th, I think. Oh, I thought you were going to say like six or more months. I mean, that's still a long time. Like the difference between Stranger Things part one and part two was only like two months. It's decades in the streaming world. It is. It is. We consume media so quickly. And then we wonder why no people can like put out good stuff. Good Honestly, original that's stuff. that's why we wait till everything's already out. We don't play that game that HBO and Hulu plays where they release an episode a week. Get out of here. <laughs> well, that's what they're doing right now with uh, What We Do in the Shadows. That just premiered July 20, uh, 12th. I know. I know. <laughs> And I'm over it. I want it all out. I want all of the shadows. You're just being greedy, though. But there's something, there is something to be said about a show that comes out week by week. I was on the PATH train today, and there was a person watching Game of Thrones, and it was the Battle of the Bastards episode, and I just, like, peeped over and saw him watching it. And I remember how hyped I would get about Game of Thrones coming out week by week, and when that happened, I remember being like, oh my god, Jon Snow is gonna die. Jon Snow is going to die. Guess what? He didn't die. At that point. He came back to life. Okay, if you never watched Game of Thrones, we just spoiled it big time. But also, what are you doing? If I've watched Game of Thrones, everybody who has any interest in it has already watched it. Because it took me for a small eternity to get it done. That is true. Then again, it does take a very long time to do Game of Thrones. Yeah. I felt like a lot of my life passed while Game of Thrones season one and the final season of Game of Thrones. Well, it's interesting. I think it's uh, some of the episodes were very long. And I felt that way, actually, with... I'm not saying that the I'm not talking about when Game of Thrones was good or bad. I'm just saying a lot of, a lot of times there's not action, 
every episode is not action packed Mm -hmm. and they kind of drag on. And, you know, as we're going into this, I definitely felt like that kind of formulaic piece still happening here with Ozark. It's um, it tends to pee. Wow, I cannot speak. It tends to pee. It tends to pee. It tends to pee. It tends to be the trope of a drama series. At what point, especially when so- with something that has a lot of action, at what point do you does your like viewer just tune in for the action, and when there's no action, they're like, oh, I'm kind of bored, or are they, you know, really wrapped up in the characters? Yeah, and I will say that one of the things that I do like about this show is that it's not if they're going to do it, it's how they're going to do it. Like, how are they going to get out of this one? It's mm-hmm. not like if they're going to make I really feel like um, seasons one and two kind of set you up like, and even like season three, you're kind of like, oh, I don't know. Is this the last season? I don't know. Um, and and as I feel like as I kept watching this show, I stopped asking myself if they were going to make it and like that anxiety of like oh my god what's happening are they gonna make it turned into just like genuine curiosity like how the hell are they gonna get out of this one so at this point now that i know that this is the final season and i have not been spoiled christine i have not spoiled the season for us i kind of wonder if it's going to end with them getting through if it's going to end with them dying or if it's going to end with us being like well, I don't know what's going to happen and then just kind of like fade to black so I'm interested to really see what happens I tend to think and this is just me making a prediction I tend to think that someone from the bird family is going to die in the second part could be I just did you do you know what's gonna happen in the part, no, part two? No, no, no. All okay. I know is I'll just tell you this, and it doesn't really ruin anything. I was at a barbecue and I was talking with a friend, and uh, she saw the whole thing, and I was like, "All right, so don't ruin the end for me. I just want to know if it's worth the hype or were you disappointed? That's all I want to know." And she was like, "Honestly, I was disappointed." Okay. So that's like the only thing I know about this whole season see but that's also just like one person's opinion so you really can't you can't gauge it that way like i mean i guess i didn't want to i didn't want to didn't want to ask questions we're gonna have a very different episode uh next week when we finally get to figure out what's gonna happen we'll be changed women by next week exactly not so much in we're gonna watch it in our own time we're probably gonna be even more stressed next week but we'll know what how this uh whole story ends Let me get into this summary. Okay. Marty and his family must find a way to make the FBI cut Omar Navarro a deal with no one truly willing to or totally understanding the meaning and concept of compromise. The bird family truly are the middlemen messengers in this game. So let us get into our nominations. So at the Golden Globes. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no, you're fine. I just skipped everything. Also, it's rated TVMA. And it's on what? And it's on Netflix. It's a Netflix original. You were very excited about your summary. Sorry. It's okay. So, uh, at the Golden Globes, it was nominated for Best Drama Series. Uh, 
yeah, we're all nominees here. Okay, so uh, Laura Linney was nominated for Best Television Actress in a Drama Series. Jason Bateman was nominated for Best Television Actor in a Drama Series. And Julia Garner was nominated for Best Supporting Actress in a Television Series. Now, at the Emmys, this is nominated for Best Outstanding Drama. Uh, Julia Garner is nominated for Best Supporting Actress in a Drama Series. Laura Linney is nominated for Best Lead Actress in a Drama Series, and Jason Bateman is nominated for Lead Actor in a Drama Series. Lots of noms. Lots of noms. So, do you, do you want to get into the character list? Because we've done this before. Yeah, I'll go into it. Because honestly, how long has it been since we talked about Ozark? It's been a while. It's been a while. I was in a completely different apartment. I'm pretty sure we were in the, the depths of COVID. So... We're, oh, yeah. We're all very different people now. <laughs> we're not young. Well, no, we weren't young and spry back then, but we I guess we were more spry. Speak for yourself. Oh, you're still young and spry? <laughs> I'm old and decrepit at this point in my life. I plead the fifth. Okay. So let's discuss. We have the Bird family. This is headed by Marty Bird, played by Jason Bateman. Um, to have an ounce of Marty's patience, just an ounce, because for some reason he can keep things so under control in the most intensive scenarios. He's, yep. in he's incredibly smart and has done well building a base for his family. Um, his wife, Wendy Bird, played by Laura Linney, is equally as smart, but lets her emotions run her decisions. She definitely thinks she knows best and has gotten a big taste of power throughout the season and likes to throw that weight around a lot. They have two children, Charlotte, played by Sophia Holbitz, who is looking to work for, with the family full-time after graduation, and Jonah, played by Skylar Gertner, 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 we're going to go with that, uh, who has gone into business for himself who is now laundering money for Darlene Snell, played by Lisa Emery. She's the local- At 14. At 14. His dad's so proud. <laughs> he pretends like he's not proud. Marty's proud. Um, <laughs> Darlene Snell is the local drug farmer and is not afraid of taking someone's life if she feels they're not worthy to live. Uh, she really has a God complex, if anything. Um, she is with Wyatt, which, like, that happened last season. Okay, Wyatt's played by Charlie Tahan. That happened last season because Wyatt's, like, uh, eight, 17 years old, and Darlene's, like, a cool 62. How old do you think Darlene Snell is? I don't know. Old. Yeah, maybe that. Big age gap between those two, and it's kind of gross. Uh, Wyatt is very emotional and caring, unlike Darlene. Uh, Wyatt's cousin is Ruth Langmore, played by Julia Garner. She is a former employee of The Birds, but now works for Darlene on distribution and business planning in general. Uh, the Birds' boss is Omar Navarro, ple uh, played by Felix Solis. He's like Christina said, he's looking to leave Mexico and live freely in the U on U.S. soil, but he needs their help in order to broker this deal. Uh, with FBI agent Maya Miller, played by Jessica Fran Francis Dukes. She has been auditing, like, auditing the Missouri Bell, and Marty is looking to turn her. <clears throat> we get the, in, the new introduction to Navarro's nephew, play, uh, Javi, played by Alfonso Herrera. He is U.S. educated and is looking to take over the cartel. 
And then I also just wanted to throw in the political lawyer James Rattlesdorf, played by Damien Young. He and Wendy partner, partner together often, and he has a little bit of role in this uh, climax. Basically, everyone on the show has a skewed moral compass. It's like a gate to the upside down is open. All of their compasses are not pointing north. They're pointing all over the place. If you don't know what I'm talking about, watch Stranger Things and then listen to all of our podcasts on Stranger Things. Thank you. So let's get into our climax. The like we've I've said now three times, the birds are working with Maya to make Omar Navarro a free citizen and get him off the FBI most wanted list. They urge Navarro to give up some of his cash shipments across the border to the FBI, and he obliges, but Javi is not happy and thinks his uncle should kill the birds. Uh, there is a meeting with the F between the FBI, the birds, and Navarro, uh, and Jim Rattlestorff, uh, the, the in an abandoned mall, and there's something about an abandoned mall that, like, is such a cool setting i don't know why i have a whole thing with like abandoned malls there's a really good book by jillian flynn oh gone girl there's like a scene in an abandoned mall i don't know something about it just like is so creepy and eerie and i freaking love it that's it's, well another thing from stranger things yeah yes abandoned mall there you go love it anyway uh the fbi offers navarro five years of being an informant and then he will be free Navarro doesn't believe them, but agrees. He believes that, like, after the five years is over, they're going to ask for, like, another five years, or they're going to ask more of him, and it's not really going to be, like, a done deal. But mm -hmm. he agrees to take this thing, and Maya's really pissed off about it. Um, Navarro uh, goes to board his plane back to Mexico, and Maya, seemingly acting alone, arrests Navarro with the help of the police. Uh, Javi finds out about this, and gives the birds 90 minutes, minutes to fix this whole situation. The birds work with the FBI to get Javi the same deal that Omar had, and then Omar can be released um, if he makes his nephew agree to this deal. This seems to work, and the birds get to live. Javi, at this time, also finds out that so they have a deal going with Shaw Medical where they will be providing the heroin to them who, of Shaw Pharmaceutical, uh, they're providing the heroin to them to, for them to make their opioid drugs. Um, and Javi finds out that the birds gave them heroin that was not the cartel's heroin, it was actually Darlene Snell's heroin, and Javi is pissed off about it. Uh, but, like, he, all these things were his fault. So, like, I don't understand. He just gets pissy over nothing. He's, he sucks. He I hate him so much. He sucks. He sucks as a character. But he, you, like, want to hate him. I do. But, like, worst drug dealer ever. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, ba -ba -ba -ba. Sorry. Darlene starts to scare Wyatt because she just straight up killed Frank Cosgrove. Starts to. <laughs> Well, he watched her just straight up kill Frank Cosgrove. No, he found the body. Oh, he found the body. Sorry. Frank Cosgrove is the head of the Casey mob. Uh, Wyatt and Ruth make a plan to take their money and leave the Ozarks, but Wendy made a call into Child Protective Services and reported Darlene's heart attack, so they were going to seize baby Zeke. Uh, Wyatt seems, sees a distraught Darlene, and she and asks... 
you know, her to marry him. They get married, and then Javi kills Darlene and Wyatt. Ruth finds them, and she goes ballistic. Well, that's pretty... Okay. Sorry. The Bird family is moving back to Chicago, but Jonah went back to the hotel, perhaps to continue laundering money. Marty takes a call to pull a trigger on an office space, mimicking the very first scene of the series. We also get a flashback to this scene with his former business partner, who's now dead. Mel Saddam calls Agent Miller to try one Hail Mary shot at more information regarding Helen. Omar's mm-hmm. nephew, Javi, you said, shoots Darlene and Wyatt to, to teach them a lesson for selling the heroin. When Ruth finds out, she first thinks it's the KC mob. Jonah tells her it was Javi, and now she's out for blood. End scene with Ruth driving away, tears filled in her eyes in her car. She lets out a silent scream. I feel sanctified by the Commodores is playing as the credits roll, which matched the name of the episode, Sanctified. Yes, and then doesn't she also call Frank Cosgrove Jr. and say, like, why'd you kill Darlene? Well, yeah, and so why- uh, I had said when she when she thinks it's the, oh, sorry, she, she thinks it's the Casey mob, yeah, and then he promises her, he went, um, Frank Jr. went on his word, as usually the mob does. Honestly, part of me has always shipped Frank Jr. and Ruth together. Even before Ben entered the picture, like they hated each other, but it kind of like they hated each other, but they also were kind of into each other. And then like he got his dick shot off by Darlene at the end of season three. And like, I don't know, I just kind of always like felt like they would be good together. And they're at a place this season where they're like, yeah, we like each other now. We respect each other. (laughs) So I will say that um, Sanctified has the highest rating. I've noticed that it's always at the finale. Well, that's usually like the dessert of the the season, no? Like you get the meat and potatoes. But then, like, that's, like, with the big... They, it's always... They leave the best for the end. I guess. Well, so it got a 9.5. Um, but overall, the series has an 8.5 out of 10 on IMDb. And on Metacritic, the Metascore was a 78. And the user score is an 8.1. And I'm just going to say that these are probably going to be the same when I look again next week. Because yeah. I can't separate them. But what I will do that'll be different is I'll look up the highest um, episode for part two from the release from episodes 18 to 14. Yeah. I'm sorry, 8 to 14. So it's probably going to be the same for me. The critics on Rotten Tomatoes gave this an 85% and the audience gave it an 80%. As far as highest rated seasons, season three is higher rated. That's a 98% on uh, Rotten Tomatoes. But we had a feeling that was going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I uh, said to Danielle before we started this call that because when we did Stranger Things, it was so much easier because we were kind of following along um, with the original release and then the release of the second part. But with this one, we kind of let it uh, kind of let it out of our grasp because we were doing lots of movies and we had Mel Brooks month and we didn't really follow along with it. So on IMDb, I really couldn't differentiate um, reviews for part one versus part two. And I, I'm, I really don't want to ruin the series for us. I yeah. want us to kind of, we, you, oh, we always give you the raw. So yeah. we're, we're continuing that, that, uh, facade, if you will. 
Yeah, absolutely. And what I did was I went and I looked up when the volume one was released and or I'm calling it like volume one, like Stranger Things. I looked up when part one was was released and part two was released. I went on Rotten Tomatoes audience reviews. I went la 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 next 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 until I got <laughs> to the timing when uh, part one was released. That way, I did not have any spoilers in my reviews. So I did grab a review. This is a two out of five star review. Did not enjoy season four but I loved the other seasons. This one was just slow and seemed to get away from its roots. They didn't need the Ozarks for this continuation of the storyline. It could have taken place in any town USA. Glad they're wrapping things up because I think it's jumping the shark. So. I wouldn't say jumping the shark. I there think, was no shark to jump. Nothing happened. Yeah, it's I just... Okay, let, let, do we want to segue into highs and lows? Yeah, I mean, I sure. So I'm going to just say this. My, the music is the biggest, the biggest high for me. Like, cueing certain songs, playing at certain times when they play Tribe Called Quest. Mm -hmm. I was like, what? This is fantastic. When they played I Felt Sanctified, I was like, oh my God, this is the name of the episode. So I really felt like the music matched the vibe 100%. And sometimes when that happens, when it's like 100%, it's like two on the nose, but I mm -hmm. felt like it was just right. I will say that the score is the score is what adds to your anxiety while watching the show. Like that it's not really anything too melodic. It's just like a, a deep whirring of like a thousand bees flapping their wings. That's what like the score sounds like. And it, you don't even really recognize it. It's just kind of going on in the background and you're like, oh, why am I so tense right now? And then like the music swells. Yeah. And what I found so interesting, I think it was the end of episode five or six, the one where Darlene has the heart attack and Wendy just sits down and watches her. Yeah. And then it ends nice. with her calling 911. It's just quiet. At, like there's no like ending score on that it's just quiet and then the the credits roll and honestly yeah. that's the scariest part of that episode like you really feel like wendy has completely gone off the deep end this season lost her mind yeah. yeah like if she hadn't before now she's like really losing it and she even talks about how like they're planning this move back to chicago and Marty kind of wants everything to go back to the way it was, but Wendy doesn't want that. I think the high for me is the character development this whole season between Wendy, Marty, and Ruth as well. Like, there's so much going on, and there's so much of their relationship that's been changed around that I think it's mm -hmm. very fascinating to see at this point in season four. Well, I think Omar, uh, Omar Navarro, that character, kind of hit the nail on the head at the end. He's like, when... You're having a glass of wine and it's quiet and the kids are in bed and there's nobody home you remember me because wendy is almost like an addict for action yeah also part of me kind of felt like he was coming on to wendy i don't know there's like a whole been like subtle undertones of omar navarro into wendy or maybe that's just like i'm just picking Honestly, up on things oh. that i'm not supposed to be picking up on but it's so when there's certain situations 
it could be it could be there could be like underlying tones of that but yeah. i wouldn't say that that was the primary concern because this whole time we're watching wendy we're watching like a sociopath come to life yeah and i it, let me rephrase that sociopathic tendencies because i think that she knows what she's doing i think that she knows that she's acting a certain way i think she can control it right so that's like the difference here but i also think that she thrives only in those situations yeah and it's kind of like it's kind of like when you do something huge right like when you plan a wedding or when you write a dissertation like when you do a big thing in your life and then after that thing is over it's like what's the next big thing Mm -hmm. and you're kind of like oh there is no next big thing and you're bored and sometimes depression can kick in because the, the thing that you've done is over right yeah and so i feel like wendy as a person like her character development it's come to this situation where I don't think she can function in a normal life. I don't think, I think everybody else in the family potentially has the capabilities, but I don't think that she can. I I think she's gonna have to sit on her hands forever. I I 1000% agree with you. And I think that that's something that has definitely been like lying under the surface for many, many years. Because when we first meet Wendy, it's that she's sleeping with someone completely different than her husband because Mm -hmm to she's going along with this like bored housewife trope you know she had this big political career she gave it up to have kids have a family and it didn't turn out to be what she really wanted to be and she felt like she put her life in the back seat and it's a way of her taking that back and in order to do that she's just kind of like you know hurting people in the process and still to this day she's hurting people and the biggest person she hurt this season is jonah and they have this super super strange relationship because jonah knows that he basic that she basically got her brother killed and he's pissed about it yeah because it was her call she had to put the call in yeah I mean, she felt like there was nothing else she could do for him. I actually just rewatched season three before watching this because I need to refresh right. my memory. And she, that like moment of desperation, literally be like, where can I bring you? Because there's nowhere to bring you without getting you murdered. So I don't know. I have mixed feelings about it. Like, yes, she made the right call, but also she got a brother killed. Like, I guess that's also just like everyone in the show. You're like, oh, they did this, but also they did this. Right. Well, yeah, the moral compass is definitely skewed. Yeah. Um, I don't really think I had any like big time lows. Well, I had yet. a few more highs before we before because I do have a few lows. Okay. I think that the cinematography in this show is absolutely brilliant. Um, there are so many scenes where they're like. you know it's set in like early morning and you can tell that it's crisp in the air i started writing this i'm like do i just like fall or do i actually like the the shots of the show but i think it's both (laughs) it's a little bit of both the setting is great but also like uh i feel like they did play with a lot of shots this season one that i really loved was uh it was an aerial shot and you see the two suvs pulling up when they're doing the deal to get the heroin back from the KC mob and to pay them mm-hmm. additional for that, these two cars pull up and then two trucks pull up to block them so that no one can see this like handoff take place. And I thought that that, and then as soon as like one car drives away, one truck drives away and then vice versa, I thought that mm-hmm. that was a really cool scene to see. 
Um, I will say that, in my opinion, the best acting this season were from Jason Bateman and Julia Garner. Like, they are absolutely the best actors on the show. Yeah, I wrote that... um... I just think that the acting was good. And there were times where the dialogue I felt was a, like a bit too normal for the situation. Yeah. But the good acting is what really made the delivery seem extraordinary. I will say a low of mine is I don't think that Charlotte did such a good job. I think that she was a little forced with her inflection. And I just, I didn't really particularly like her as an actress. Well, so I kind of feel like she's the, the inflection that she's forcing is her mother's because she's slowly becoming her mother. Yeah. And so she's like trying to make that work. And they, her and Jonah actually discuss that when they're hiding in Buddy's uh, tomb, for lack of a better word, where like, Jonah's like, are you going to, you're becoming mom. Are you going to kill me? Like, and mm-hmm. she's like, no, but I, so just I'm sorry to continue to like guess what's going to happen but part of me wonders if like Wendy and Marty die and then those two run off to the Pacific Northwest like they said that they were going to oh that could potentially happen yeah um as far as lows for me um I don't know sometimes I feel like a lot of things that happen in the show just kind of are done to leave you on a cliffhanger. Like the Darlene heart attack, I sort of understand it, but also I feel like, oh, we're just gonna have Darlene have a heart attack right now. It just feels like what else can happen in this freaking show? I mean, she's she's older, right? But I, I feel like it was a little forced. Yeah, and then they don't even kill her from it. Like if you're gonna have her have a heart attack, kill her from it don't worry she's gone now (laughs) thank god so i don't know sometimes i just feel like it's a little over the top and just the comic relief is so sparse in the show it's i like a little chuckle every now and then yeah there were a couple i didn't write them down though uh there was a i think there was a moment it came from ruth just being like Sassy, I think is mm-hmm. when I chuckled, but other than that, really no one has anything to laugh about in the show. Yeah. So, yes. as far as what I ate... Yes, do tell. Okay, so I didn't really have a whole lot in the house, but I was like, mm, I need something, I need something, something, something. So I took a rice cake. Okay. Smeared cashew butter all over it. Okay. Sprinkled it with pumpkin spice seasoning. Ooh, good stuff. And then dropped carob chips on top of it. Interesting. So, <laughs> very funny. That was your snack break because my snack break was like the, I don't know, the the same but different. So, I went back to an old school Danielle snack. I kid you not. This is something that I have eaten for many many years being like a young kid getting home from school to being in college and my friends complaining to me about me leaving peanut butter mugs in the sink because i'm a big eating out of a mug fan Um, i thought you didn't eat peanut butter anymore though i have been dabbling in eating peanut butter and it has not (laughs) bothered me so i'm gonna roll with it until it bothers me again 
So I mixed, mixed chocolate chips and peanut butter together just in a mug and it was beautiful. You can't go wrong. I like to take peanut butter and Cool Whip and then like whip, 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 whip and make peanut butter mousse and uh-huh. then throw the chips in. Mm. Oh my God, it's so good. <laughs> no, oh I had some uh, some chunky peanut butter and some chocolate chips. It was beautiful. Oh, chunky, mm-hmm. chunky. So... Good, the same but different. Same but different. <laughs> um, as far as my expectation goes, I will say the only thing I expected to happen is for Wyatt to die, 100%. I knew I knew if he stayed, he was going to die. I didn't know how, but I knew it was going to happen. Um, I was not expecting Wyatt to die, to be honest, because I feel like he's kind of like, um, in a way, a fringe character. Um I didn't want him to die. He's too pure. But I can also understand that he's way too pure for the show. He's all Ruth was fighting for at that point. I know. That's I know. And so it, it, it made sense. But at the end of the day, if they weren't going to try to escape, you know, mm-hmm. I thought it was either going to be if they do escape, um, something's going to definitely happen to Darlene. And Ruth is just going to send Wyatt on a, like, boat with three and she'll like figure it out and meet them somewhere and yeah. just like send them off. Um, but I knew that if he stayed, he was it was curtains. Didn't you like kind of have a moment when Charlotte and Wyatt were talking, like a flashback to first season where you're like, oh, maybe they can get together. Like he's like lives in a trailer park, but he has a heart of gold and he's so smart. And Charlotte's like from the big city and just getting to know like the area and like meeting this kid. And he kind of like fucks her over, but then she punches him in the face and then they're like, Oh, but we can be friends. Um, I got like that glimpse while they were having that conversation. Yeah. I mean, that would have been, uh, that would have been a storyline that's predictable. I mean, no, I don't think anybody saw this coming, but, um, I would have went with it. Yeah, I think I I too ship them. I ship a lot of the Langmores with people. I don't know why. And also, it's very jarring to see how big Three has gotten because he was like a little kid when the show started. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, as far as my expectation, I expected all of the characters like trying to cope with Ben's death. Um, but I really, really enjoyed how they did it. You know, you have Wendy who's kind of in denial of the whole thing. You know, she's still, like, taking calls for, like, dead people that come up that look like Ben. And, like, Marty has to be there, like, when do you know your brother is dead at this point? Well, she fucked up, right? Because she... She said that um, in the, the speech or the press She conference. said that he was missing. Yeah. And, like, used her brother's absence, if you will as a play for, um, as a pathos play. I mean, yeah. she was completely trying to string on emotions, but then everybody in the show just took it and ran with it. And so she had to pretend, I truly believe that she felt like she had to pretend that he was still alive. And then, um, she just started to believe it because when you convince your brain something for so long, you eventually believe it. And I think that's what was happening when she was going to identify the body. Like she knew that she had to go because she made said this, but the yeah. way that she said it was kind of like, I have to go see if it's Ben. Yeah. Yeah, I'm interested to see what happens with the introduction of her father. I don't know if he's going to come up in part two. I would assume that 
he is because I really don't know what his reasoning for being introduced in part one is. So, well, he went to identify the body too. He did, but like, was the whole thing just like for her to have this conversation with her dad about like the church? I'm interested to see what happens there. Do we get like a flashback of Wendy's life when she was younger? Maybe that happened. I really don't know. I I would like that, but again, yeah. I'm just I, all I'm gonna do this episode is just make predictions of next week, and then next week's <laughs> gonna come and be like, well, that was wrong, and that was wrong. <laughs> Um, Did you have an IRL moment? <laughs> my IRL moment was Wendy sitting with a glass of wine after after having a stressful day, except I don't have to talk my way out of almost getting murdered. Um, <laughs> mine was, you know how they like, they keep lying and they keep saying uh, that they're helping Jonah with his schoolwork to yeah. pick up shit at the, at the hotel. Uh, I had like, flashbacks to when I was a kid and I would always forget shit because I didn't learn to write things down at a young age. So I was oh, I was forgetting textbooks left and right. And I was in aftercare, which is in the building. So I could have just gone down the hall to get my textbook. But oh no, the Catholic school system decided that they had to teach me a lesson. So then I just became friends with janitors and other teachers that were there so that I could get my book so that I could do my work. The amount of times that my mom was like, listen, my kidneys are book. What are we doing here? Um, was insane. You know what? I completely repressed that. But yes, that was a load of horseshit because we were panicked. Absolute panicked. And at the end of the day, if I forget something at work, guess who the fuck drives back to work? with their key and gets it from their office me yeah i don't know why they they were literally just trying to teach us a lesson but like that's so stupid we were in a classroom like the the good thing was if your classroom where after school care was was also your classroom for the day because then you were able to get your books but anyone else in a different classroom was not allowed to go and get their books right right same thing in high school. If your locker was in a classroom, it was like so much more difficult to go get something from your locker because you were interrupting a class. But anybody who's in the hallway, it's just free game. Well, I don't know if a lot of people have their lockers in classrooms. I think that's just like a an our high school thing, but it was. Well, yeah, at our, at our high school, it was like, I think that only happened to me one year. Either way, it was so stupid. I don't know why they ever decided to put lockers in classrooms. It was ridiculous. There was room. There was room in the hallways. It was so stupid. It was so stupid. And then you had to just quietly go into your locker and get all... It was so stupid. I completely forgot about that, too. So thank you for reminding me of all these things. No problem. That (laughs) was a memory that just... It was a core memory that just came right to the forefront of my brain. I was like, there was... I'm all for teaching lessons, you know, as a teacher. Yeah. Right? There was no lesson to be learned there. What would make sense, right... Was if we had to like fill out paperwork, 
to go into a classroom. Like if we had to go with a teacher and sign out a key and I'd have to put my name, like that whole annoying process of going into the room, that would teach me a lesson because that's the annoying process. I have to go back in my car and drive to work or commute back to work. And and, and that's the annoying process, but I can get back in. Yeah. Nobody's gonna say, no. <laughs> Yeah, and then it's, but then it like, it pisses everyone off in the process because it pisses you off that you're not allowed to go in there. The person is annoyed at you saying, well, why are you asking me? You're not allowed to go in there. And then your teacher's like, well, why isn't your homework done? Well, here's the situation. Yeah, that. (laughs) Scolded. Fucking scolded. Yeah. For forgetting. And then I realized that I had a learning disability that stems from me forgetting shit. So I'm like, so I got scolded <laughs> because I have a learning disability. That's okay. That, if that's not that's fine, if that's maybe not they'll the, just beat it out of me. Oh God. Okay, we need to end this now before we make <laughs> some strong allegations here that I'm we we are Danielle not here never, to. We're never touched. We're never hit. We loved both of our schools. I just hated that I couldn't get my textbooks. No, no. We were just verbally abused. No. By teachers. <coughs> Definitely yelled at. Listen, there are certain there are certain things that we will never say on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. I just I just resent getting scolded for for trying to do my job a little later than expected. If any person listening to this podcast has never been scolded before in their life, good for you. Honestly, if any person listening to this podcast has been scolded and it's not your fault, send us an email. So- I want to know. Solidarity, brother. I want to know. We're in <laughs> we're in this together. All right, we need to close out the podcast now. <laughs> yes. So Thanks, everybody, for listening. Next week, we'll talk about Ozark Season 4, Part 2. Danielle can see that I'm already holding my head. Um, But you can connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at Hey It's Two Girls. I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Class Sixtina. Danielle's on Instagram at Danielle Kobianki. Send us that email. I want to know if you were scolded. TwoGirlsWatchTV at gmail.com. Two is spelled T-W-O. Check out the blog Beer Coffee Donuts and the YouTube channel Two Girls Drink Beer. All right, everyone. Enjoy the rest of your week, and we'll catch you next week. Bye. Bye. What's up?